Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I refuse to use, no doubt, continues now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for January 26th. In the year of our Lord, 2023, this is our two of two and the goal, always to promote God, family, and country, to protect life, liberty, and property, to use the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America, the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the Founding Fathers to peacefully restore the Republic. We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth, ladies and gentlemen. Wow. All right, have I got uh, news that I find fascinating for you? Uh, and we're going to do our very best to crank through it all. I've got a, like three stories that I want to get to right now. Uh, then Lil Nelson campaign for Liberty.org is going to join me. We're going to break down the Utah legislative session uh, to give you guys kind of an idea of what's going on now. Most Americans believe that Fox is the good guys, the good network. The New York Times, CNN, those guys, they're the bad guys. They're the liberal news. But it's not so, ladies and gentlemen. I agree, CNN and uh, the New York Times have a more liberal bent on a daily basis than maybe Fox does. But Fox lies and manipulates, and they've had sexual scandals and everything else. Just as much, if not more so, than the supposed liberals. So I don't think they hold the moral high ground is the point, right? Well, anyway, there's an interesting article that's in the New York Times that I saw today. Now, I'm not defending the New York Times in any way. But I will say this. The commentary is fascinating. Stories written by Jeremy W. Peters. All right? And the headline says this. The New York Times seeks documents in suit against Fox News. What is it about? Most of the evidence in the case has remained under seal at the request of Fox lawyers. Now, wait a minute. Why would Fox's lawyers want to keep this all under wraps? And why, of all people, would the New York Times want to get to the bottom of it? I don't know. Because I don't even know who's who half the time, right? People who you think are our friends turn out to be our enemies. Case in point, we thought Newsmax was a great organization a long, long time ago. We find out they've been funding the Clintons. Okay? Chris Freddy and folks over at Newsmax funding the Clintons. So what the heck? I don't know. But the New York Times asked the judge on Wednesday to unseal some legal filings that contain previously undisclosed evidence in the defamation lawsuit brought against Fox News by Dominion Voting Systems. That's, of course, they say the company targeted with conspiracy theories about 
you know, they're broken machines or they're dishonest machines and stolen votes, etc. right? Now, here's what I don't understand. Why does Fox want this information kept secret? And the New York Times wants to get the evidence, the information? Most of the evidence they say in the case includes text messages and emails taken from a lot of the Fox broadcasters or Fox executives, on-air personalities, etc. Now, they say that federal law and law in the state of Delaware where the lawsuits filed allows the people to have information. Now, they say that the commentary of the hosts and guests was protected under the First Amendment and that the allegations of fraud made by the Donald and others were newsworthy, even if they were false. But the public has a right to transparent judicial proceedings to ensure that the laws are being provided and applied fairly. Judge Davis has offered or scheduled uh, something in April to work on this. But my question to all of you is this. Why is the New York Times for transparency here and Fox having their attorneys request that the case be under seal? Why? Does Fox have something to hide? What does the New York Times get out of it? Do they have something to expose? Who's on whose side is the next question that I would ask. In other words, what the heck's going on around here, right? Because I look at this, and it's not making sense to me. Is it to you? Wow, I find this fascinating, right? I find this very interesting, and I'm not sure what to make of it. I'm not really like a New York Times guy, but I will have to say that I wouldn't mind having this stuff uh, publicly, you know, available. You say, well, you know, Fox News has a right to keep it secret. Maybe they do. Maybe not. That's a debate. On one hand, a private company and a private organization and a private individual should have it, their wishes Maybe. But when it comes to these companies, I mean, are they public companies? Is Fox News organization a public company? Well, that's debatable, Sam. It's owned by Rupert Murdoch and clowns. Uh, Yeah, but if you're that much in the news and you're that involved and you've been given special privilege via cable networks and all kinds of other, I don't know what you want to say, partnering with government projects or getting your hand involved with the government, at what point do you say, hmm, I don't know that they have a right to keep this quiet anymore. Uh, but then I say, why would they want to keep it quiet in the first place? What advantage does Fox News have to keep this under seal at the request of Fox's lawyers? What what reason, what benefit, what cui bono is the term used, right? And I'm kind of wondering what the heck. Because to me, it really doesn't make sense.
does it to you folks? Anyway, very interesting when the New York Times is looking for transparency and Fox is looking for secrecy. I find that a fascinating concept. Do you? All right, second story that I've got for you. Drop in illegal crossings after border limits. Yeah, crossings by migrants from Cuba, Nicaragua, Venezuela, and Haiti have plummeted. That's right. Why, you may ask? They say that the Republicans and some Democrats have attacked the policies. Dateline Washington, right? The Biden, the Biden administration said on Wednesday that border enforcement measures that have rolled out this month uh, well, have led to a decline in the number of crossings on the southern border. But here's the problem. Claiming success from policies that have drawn some criticism from Republicans and even some Democrats. You see, on January the 5th, the administration said that it would deny people from Cuba, Nicaragua, Venezuela, and Haiti a chance to apply for asylum for asylum if they cross the Mexican border without authorization between official what they call ports of entry. So listen carefully. Joe Biden on January 5th said, hey, we're not going to take these people. You can't cross the border. I know that a lot of people are fleeing economic hardship and everything else. Cubans, Nicaraguans, particularly have been crossing in large numbers in recent months, okay? Now, the United States has not been able to expel them because of, quote, diplomatic restraints based on agreements with those countries and their governments. Now, they say the overwhelming attack or at the border is um, overwhelming everyone. But previously, migrants from those countries were allowed to stay in the United States until the United States figured out what they were going to do so they could stay here temporarily. But the administration can now expel them because Mexico has agreed to accept these migrants from Cuba, Haiti, and Nicaragua. Why? Because they can now be removed from the United States based on Title 42. Wait a minute. Wasn't that a Donald Trump thing? I thought Biden was against it. Trump was for it. Oh, now the landscape. Do you know what is great about America? Ask an immigrant. 
Ask an Immigrant is a new podcast dedicated to helping Americans, especially our youth, value, appreciate, and be grateful for the freedoms we have here in America. Join host Lydia Wallace-Nuttle as she interviews immigrants from around the world to discover their inspiring personal stories about why they came to America. To learn more about why America is the most prosperous, greatest country in the world, download the Loving Liberty app or go to lovingliberty.net. Small Business Tech Guys is a team of experts ready to assist you with any service relating to growing your business. Our team specializes in information and technology, social media, general consulting, and HR. We thrive on assisting startup entrepreneurs with growing their businesses. If it's small business, it's our cup of tea. To schedule your free discovery call today, consider sbtechguys.com. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. sbtechguys.com. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married and have some kids. Back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Bushman talking about the border. This is a very strange, strange uh, article. Drop in illegal crossings after border limits. In October, the Homeland Security Department said the number of times Cubans, Nicaraguans, Haitians, and Venezuelans were caught crossing illegally fell 97%. Isn't that awesome? Well, not so fast. <laughs> We're talking about Joe Biden, ladies and gentlemen, right? Uh, so not so fast. I wish you could count on it. But with this, you've got Republicans complaining. And the reason that they're complaining is because in the details are, yes, on one hand, it puts people at the border uh, to, to be required to stay in Mexico. That sounds good. But because of the way Joe Biden is combining this with allowing illegals to come into the United States, it might be a temporary benefit of Title 42, but it's a gargantuan setback is the truth. Because they have all kinds of rules that, you know what, if you stay in Mexico, you obey Title 42, you don't cross the border illegal, but we'll fast track you into America. And that's where the Republicans are having a cow over this, going, wait a minute, we can't be fast-tracking people into America like this. That's not the way, well, they're right. 
the battle's on. But here's this is what I mean by it's about impossible to pick sides. It isn't Republican-Democrat, folks. Understand that clearly. At first, you say, well, Joe's on the side of Title 42, by golly, these Republicans. What are they talking about? Well, you got to dig in and understand the whole story. The whole story is that, yes, you know, Biden's learned that Title 42, you can get a lot of, quote, political muscle. You can get a lot of political capital out of being for Title 42 there now. But yet, in the long run, we're fast-tracking people who normally couldn't come to America. And we're doing so by skirting our own laws. By kind of manipulating the way things are supposed to work. That's how it's happening. Anyway, I wanted to bring that story to your attention regarding the border. Because it's a critical story. Don't be deceived and think, oh man, Joe, he's starting to rock. Good for Joe. And don't think good on the Republicans either. Right? All right, there you have it. Just thought I'd bring that to your attention. Now I got a hero story for you, okay? Headline says hero citizens risking lives in line of fire. By Julie Bozeman, Mitch Smith, and Alyssa Fawcett, and Sir Jeff Koleski, or whatever the heck their names are. A seventh-grade science teacher in Noblesville, Indiana, was helping a student with a test when a classmate returned from the bathroom, drew a handgun from his pocket, and began firing. Mr. Seaman, the teacher, now 34 years old, threw a mini basketball at the student and then charged, swiftly disarming him now that in my mind is a hero teacher all right this guy literally just threw this basketball to distract the student and rushed him took him down the teacher said there was no choice it was either do something or die he said in an interview on tuesday recalling the details of the shooting it left him with gunshot wounds wounds in the abdomen in the forearm and in the hand when you're in that literal life or death situation I'm dang sure I'm gonna fight that's what the teacher said now look run hide fight became the guidance of the federal government in how to handle these active shooter attacks um, with the massacre at Sandy Hook in 2012 that's what they said you know what run hide fight Americans were encouraged to confront the gunman now I agree with the confront the gunman okay why did it take so many shootings before we decided to do that because we've been taught our whole lives, let the cops handle it, right? But look, it's been drilled into our heads in the recent years. In schools and in workplaces everywhere. Not to mention private training sessions. 
You need to fight. Now, here's the problem. Ready? They say mass shootings have become an esker, I'm sorry, an ever escalating plague. I agree with that. Now, gun restriction advocates claim that no Americans should have to put their lives on the line uh, when dealing with a gunman in a dance hall, religious service, a mall, a high school, some of these kind of things. But in high-profile situations or massacres, if you will, in recent months, the last resort to fight has been taken up by bystanders who've attacked the gunmen and stopped them before they could continue. Yeah, in Colorado Springs, Colorado, I guess there was uh, several people who subdued an assailant who entered a nightclub and killed five people in the matter of seconds. They stopped them. In suburban Indianapolis last summer, an armed bystander fatally shot the gunman who had already killed three people. I guess in a mall food court, right? And in Los Angeles County, an employee of a dance hall wrestled, and they call it an assault pistol, which is bogus, out of the hands, out of a gunman, who they say already shot 20 people at another venue and seemed bent on doing more mayhem, damage. This could have been much worse, said the sheriff. Now listen to this. Um, they say experts are now saying that bystander intervention, um, bystander intervention in active shooting situations ends the threat in a significant minority of cases. And the forces that drive people to intervene are varied, but in many situations, bystanders are unable to run or hide, so they're trapped in classrooms, churches, etc., with attackers who are armed with high-powered weapons, etc. Anyway, it goes on and on with this story. But in the significant minority of cases, it stops them. Why is it the minority of cases, you got to ask? Because I believe not enough people are stopping the shooters, right? But law enforcement can't be everywhere, ladies and gentlemen. We're not slamming law enforcement because they're not there in time. Using the public as a tool of last resort has not caused the pace of mass shootings to slow down. They say... A, people standing up and stopping this could make you believe it's getting better, but it's not. Okay? The truth is, folks, is this. I agree that we need to confront the shooter immediately. And oftentimes, it will stop the carnage. Not always, but oftentimes. And I'm telling you that we don't do well. Let me say it again. We don't do well to do nothing. 
virtually ever. Right? We don't, in my mind, do well by stopping or doing nothing. Okay? We do well when we stand up. Now you say, well, Sam, that's great, but man, who wants to put their lives on the line? Your life's on the line already anyway. Right? And here's the most important point that I want to get across. How much more effective would people be in stopping the thugs if the good guys, the citizens, were armed? The faster a good guy with a gun gets there, we save lives, right? Protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA News, I'm Lance Pry. The Commerce Department released their GDP report Thursday morning, and the U.S. economy cooled slightly to 2.9% annual rate in the fourth quarter. That ends a year of high inflation and rising interest rates. Despite signs of resilience, economists at the Wall Street Journal remain concerned about the possibility of a recession. More fallout in Virginia after a six-year-old child shot a teacher earlier this month. The Newport News School Board is getting rid of its superintendent, George Parker, after the six-year-old boy allegedly snuck a gun into an elementary school and shot his teacher. On several occasions that day before the shooting, school officials missed opportunities to disarm the pupil when rumors of the child having a gun were met with inactions. Diane Toscano, attorney for the victim, Abigail Zverner. And a career she loved. Today, she's between surgeries and physical therapy appointments with a career in question. If you like Newsmax television, you may be out of luck. DirecTV is dropping the conservative network. The company saying that Newsmax demanded a rate increase. But Newsmax officials say the move amounts to nothing more than censorship and is an act of blatant political discrimination. Earlier this month, congressional Republicans wrote a letter to DirecTV's CEO saying Congress is going to conduct thorough oversight on the extent to which House Democrats collude with private companies to limit First Amendment rights. I'm John Schaefer. Elon Musk electric car company Tesla reported a profit of nearly $3.7 billion for the final three months of 2022. Former child star Lance Kerwin is dead at the age of 62. Kerwin became famous in the 1970s for starring in the TV series James at 15 and the 1979 miniseries Salem's Lot. Kerwin's agent says he died Tuesday of an undetermined cause in San Clemente, California. This is USA News. Streaming only on Peacock. From the mind of Brian Johnson, the writer-director of Knives Out. Miss Gale, you've got this gift. Always knowing the truth. I only know if something is a lie. The real trick of it is to figure out why. Natasha Leone is Charlie Kale. It wasn't an accident. I, I think there's been a murder. You watch too much Dateline. A new 10-part mystery series. Wolves on my fender. I gotta keep moving. I have been kind of a death magnet. Poker Face, streaming now, only on Peacock. Nothing fights the winter blues like a delicious and satisfying meal. Luckily, Omaha Steaks makes it easy to stock up and fill your freezer with flavor. Save on perfectly portioned favorites, easy meals, and so much more with Omaha Steaks Freezer Filler Sale. Go to omahasteaks.com and use promo code TREAT at checkout and get $30 off your order. That's $30 off an endless variety of gourmet choices. Visit omahasteaks.com, use promo code TREAT at checkout to get that extra $30 off your order. Minimum order may be required. 
All right, my dear friend Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, RonPaulInstitute.org. Welcome back, sir. Well, uh, well, good to be back, uh, Sam. Thank you for having me. Lowell Nelson, ladies and gentlemen, now going to provide a Utah legislature update, if you will. We're talking about the 2023 general session. Runs from January 17th to March 3rd. Wow, what do they call that? 45 days of pure terror? That's what I'm calling it, Lowell. But you're keeping an eye on everything happening, right? We try to do that, yes. Uh, Certainly some of the worst and best bills uh, are certainly on my radar, and I'll be happy to talk about them in short order here. Um, Usually we we talk about national uh, issues and so forth. Uh, The reason this is relevant to everybody across the country, however, is that there are probably bills very similar to these in your own state legislature. And so what can you do? Well, you can uh, you can read the bills and be involved in, in talking to your legislators about them as well. So uh, I'm just saying that, you know, you can you can benefit from from hearing what, what's happening here in Utah, because we got bad things are brewing uh, here in uh, in Utah and you probably do in your state as well. <clears throat> So the first one I want to talk about, that basically I, I, I group these bills in a bunch of good bills, some bad bills, and then some ugly bills. And uh, we've got nine good ones, six bad ones, three ugly ones, and uh, that gives us about a minute per bill to talk about these, although I will want to spend a little bit more time on some of them than others. But um, HB, uh, let's just dive right into it if that's okay, Sam. <clears throat> yes, sir. Yes, HB 131 is a vaccine passport prohibition, right? So lawmaker wants to uh, prohibit the use of health passports here in the state of Utah. And with the recent uh, G20 worldwide push for vaccine passports, we definitely need it here in Utah, and you probably need it in your state. The time to protect our citizenry is before the crisis happens. Will there be another crisis? I, I certainly believe there will be multiple crises ahead of us, and we don't want vaccine passports to be implemented here. If they were to be implemented, the likely standard would be the CDC guidelines, which currently recommends seven COVID vaccines, basically two vaccines and five boosters, with an additional booster every two months. Well, this would affect everyone. And, and, and if, you, if you miss one of your shots or a booster, then... You're not up to date in your passport, and therefore you'll be denied, you know, entry to certain places, access to other places. Uh, your ESG score will be docked. I mean, all manner of, of problems will result if you, you know, if you don't keep your passport current. And so my question really is, when, since when do free societies require their, their citizens to show their papers? <clears throat> you know, reminds me of of Nazi Germany, right? Show me your papers, please. Well, uh, any society, Sam, that requires showing your papers as a condition of engaging as a patron or as an employee or as a business owner, now that society is not free. That's not free enterprise. And if you don't have free enterprise, then society itself uh, is not free. So, And so we're saying this bill is a good bill, right? Yes, it is a good bill because it prohibits the, the implementation of vaccine passports in the state of Utah. So HB 131, yes, because it's prohibiting the government from forcing vaccine passports 
on us. Now, the number two, three, and four that you have, the reason I'm taking them all on as a group, you can highlight each number, and they're different in nature, but they're really all about the same topic, right? Yeah, pretty much, and that's why they're kind of grouped here together. Um, HB 132 is a good bill prohibiting the uh, the uh, health care provider from performing a medical procedure on a minor for the purpose of attempting sex change or sex transitioning, right? This is a flat-out prohibition, and it assumes that we already know that it's, that it's morally and, and physiologically wrong to bend the genders of our children and our teenagers, right? So that's 132, and, and that's the best bill, in my opinion. Now, SB 16 is not, not necessarily bad, but, but it basically, uh, you know, allows... It doesn't uh, it, go near far enough is the problem. Right. It, 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 it's, it's, I don't know, it's kind of a compromise approach, meaning that if you're already taking gender-bending therapy, then you can continue to do so, right? And so it doesn't outlaw it strictly like the way 132 does. Uh, Senate Bill 16 says we're going to put a moratorium uh, on, you know, gender bending after a certain date. And if you are not engaged in in, in changing your, your sex before that date, which is, you know, sometime this spring, then you cannot begin. But if you've already begun, then you may continue. So, okay, so, and then it also says we're going to do a study, a systematic review of medical evidence to determine whether gender bending is injurious or beneficial, right? I mean, there's some people that claim that changing your gender is a beneficial thing. Um, and, and, of course, most of us claim that it's injurious. Yeah, there's no evidence whatsoever it's injurious. And this next bill relates kind of to this complicated discussion, HB 228, unprofessional conduct, because that's kind of where this goes. You, know, you can have your opinion on this. But the scientific facts are there. To act against them is a conduct problem. Lowell? Right. And, in fact, today, see, if you're a healthcare professional, you can't even have a conversation with a minor who wants to, you know, is thinking about uh, changing his gender. Uh, right? If they're confused and have gender dysphoria, as a healthcare professional, you cannot counsel the that, that youth to do one thing or another. But... But this bill, if it passes, it would allow professionals to, to begin talking to youth again about gender dysphoria without affirming one way or another. But but today, I mean, you get you you get uh, penalized or, or or fined or thrown in jail if you talk to youth about their gender dysphoria in a way that doesn't affirm their wish to change their gender. It's just stupid. It's just plain evil the way the current law reads. And so this law, this bill would, would undo the the bad, the evil nature of that, that, that current law, which says you can't even talk to a youth um, uh, unless you affirm yeah. his desire to change gender. And my problem with all this is we leave it in the hands of these legislative bodies to decide such nuances in the first place. And that's how we get backed into these corners where this is horrible as it currently stands. And yes, on one hand, we need to do something. On the other hand, I find myself going, why do we continue to put our political will or our fate in the hands of these goons? Yeah, great question, Sam. I mean, they're, they're the legislators, and they are going to work their mischief 
every year they're going to try to get something done, and usually what gets done is bad. I mean, I'm saying 90% of the stuff that happens there on the hill is, is, is bad, maybe 80%. But I, I've tried to, to, to get out of the gate this morning with a bunch of bills which are really good because they're either undoing bad stuff or they're, they're providing a way forward through this gender dysphoria uh, problem that, that, that uh, I, I think the, the medical community has actually conjured up, right? I mean, they stand to benefit huge monetarily uh, if they can get youth to begin changing their genders. I mean, the, the hormone therapy, that's very expensive. Yeah, and you would think in Utah this would be an easily slam the door shut. This is insane, but it's not. No, because we got health care providers and in the industry here in Utah that stands to benefit monetarily in a big, big way. Because, you know, sex change surgery is not simple, it's not easy, it's time-consuming, and therefore it's a money-generating dynamo for these these money-grubbing you know, uh, physicians that actually want to do this on our minors, our innocent children. It, so are it, all these three bills a yes? Uh, yes, all three bills are a yes. And, and some push harder than others, folks. We're just trying to take any ground we can get, right? Absolutely right, Sam. <clears throat> yeah, this, this is the uh, this topic really is the topic of the session this Amen year. Amen to that. <clears throat> and sadly okay. so, and we've got to move forward in a monumental way. HB 253, sir. That's Federalism Commission. Uh, it's all about helping the Federal Com- Federalism Commission um, do what they ought to be doing, what the state legislature should have been doing for decades. We're actually getting some traction here. And I, I view this as a good thing where, you know, the general government passes a law or issues a rule or something that falls outside of the of the uh, the warrant of the Constitution, meaning it's unconstitutional, then the Federalism Commission can refer that law or that action to an interim committee for evaluation, right? I mean, I think they should just slap it down the second they see it, but at least we're making steps in the right direction by referring the issue to a committee for evaluation. So that's a good step in the right direction. Very small step, but nevertheless, it is a step in the right direction. Sam? All right, let's skip the break, shall we? Let's go ahead and okay. just skip it. We've got a lot to talk about, ladies and gentlemen. So this federal uh, federal commission amendments uh, actually a good thing, even though it might not sound like it, right? That's correct. Yes, it's 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 it, it's putting us on the path to nullification of bad law from the general government when it occurs. I mean, I I, I would like it to happen immediately, but you know <clears throat> we're not there yet. So the more we get people thinking about federalism the better because federalism is the very foundation of our republic i mean it's the foundation of the u.s constitution so said thomas jefferson so we need more federalism and so any talk about or strengthening of the federalism commission i think is a good thing sam yeah and understand the federalism term don't get confused on it ladies and gentlemen what it's saying is that the government has restraints restraints and they're defined by the supreme law and we need to hold them to it is the quintessential point SB 116, Local Health Department Modifications. Lowell? This is an excellent bill, and it's, it's making the local health departments crazy because today they have the authority, or they, they believe they have the authority to 
isolate or quarantine an individual. They can come right to your house, fam, and they can tell, you know, you're dangerous to society. You need to stay at home, right? They have that authority today. This bill removes that authority, makes it very plain that they do not have the authority to isolate or quarantine an individual. They can make a recommendation, yes, but they don't have the absolute police power to quarantine you and, and require you to stay at home or stay in a hotel or stay in the hospital or whatever. So this is a very good bill, SB 116, and uh, it, it needs to be passed, Sam. Now let's be clear. We talked about uh, SB 16, and now we're talking about 116. They're two entirely different bills, but both bills are good. Now my yeah. a little bit worry with this local health department modifications is, yes, I agree they don't have the power, but if we're not careful... If we don't watch really carefully, folks, they're going to deny the local government that authority and power, but they're going to jump into the vacuum and have the state have that authority or power. We've got to guard against that as well, Lowell. Yeah, guard against both. You're absolutely right, Sam. All right, HB 179, sir. This is uh, called Founders and Constitution Recognition. Um, this uh, This bill would designate the month of September as the American Founders Month. And it describes the purpose of Constitution Day. It uh, looks like this is going to sail through. This is a good thing. Anytime you can improve and, and, and well, you know, make more visible this, uh, this marvelous blueprint for liberty, the U.S. Constitution, the better. Uh, and so this would make, you know, it's a good thing. So I, I don't suspect any opposition to it. <clears throat> it's a good thing, but I also say that for the most part, Ladies and gentlemen, if we don't understand the supreme law of the land and demand obedience to it, uh, it can be a wave the flag day or wave the flag month and become unimportant. The reason that it's good is because it's got to start somewhere, folks. Okay, so we're not saying there should be mandates here. What we are saying is, hey, there's nothing wrong with designating this and highlighting this so that people can focus on it, take it seriously and get education. I don't want you to think this bill does anything to solve anything. But it does highlight the recognition. It does start the educational process, which is key to future wise decisions is the point, Lowell. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Sam. Is it substantive? No. Is it decorative? Yes. And it's decorative in the right way, kind of like the Federalism Commission bill. It gets us moving in the right direction, gets people talking about the right things. But does it really do anything? Well, no, not yet. All right, HB 155 is good news if we can get this sucker passed, Lowell. Boy, I'll tell you what, uh, independent election audits. This bill would require the lieutenant governor to contract with an independent auditor to conduct a voter registration audit, a post-election audit, and an election statistics audit. Oh, it, yeah. <laughs> yes, it would be awesome. It would require that all of the materials, the ballots and everything, be available for, you know, to that auditor to, to make an independent audit. Now, this is awesome, uh, Sam, and and Phil's going to have an uphill battle, Phil Lyman, getting this thing passed. But with your help, ladies and gentlemen, citizens of Utah, uh, talking to your legislators, we can make this happen. We need this so badly, Sam. We need this. Amen to that. Yes, on HB 155, ladies and gentlemen. And um, the next one is similarly helpful, HB 171, because it would repeal the, the, the pilot project, the Municipal Alternate Voting Methods Pilot Project. And 
basically the essence of this pilot project, which was passed a couple of years ago, was ranked choice voting elections. But it does it on computers, which I oppose. I, I don't think any election should be done by computer or electronic device of any kind. But these, this pilot project does use computers, uh, and that's why I'm totally against the pilot project. As you know, I'm a big fan of ranked choice voting, but I'm not in the case where it's going to be done by computers. I'm absolutely opposed to it, Sam. Uh, there you have it. And I see pros and cons to ranked choice voting. We can get into that another time. Yeah. HB 150, emergency water shortage amendments. Okay, now we're turning to a half a dozen bills, which I view as bad bills here. Um, the first uh, nine that we talked about are good. Now we're going to talk about six that are bad. HB 150, Emergency Water Shortages Amendment. This bill adds an entire chapter to the Utah State Code about water preferences during emergencies, right? It identifies who gets the first dibs on water during a water shortage emergency. It gives preference to, to drinking, to sanitation, then fire suppression, then commercial agriculture, then animal welfare, and then the generation of electricity. So why are they passing this now, right? Well, it's because they anticipate water shortages in the near future. Now, one might think that this is a good good bill, but when it's put together with the, the, the next bill, then which is SB 119, entitled Per Capita Consumption Use, per capita consumptive use, this bill requires reporting districts to calculate per capita consumptive use of water. Well, what are they gonna, how are they going to do that? They're going to have to measure the water. They're going to have to meter the water. Okay, so they're going to meter the water. They're going to know how much water you are using. And when a shortage comes, which they can simply declare, according to this new chapter that would be added to Utah State Code, they can simply declare a water shortage emergency and then they can dictate how much water you can use uh, thereafter now how does now how does this play in with the lithium mining from the great salt lake that is 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 surfacing i've got a lot of information about this sam and and this mining requires a lot of water something like 100 million gallons of water to mine one ton of lithium or something and this is part of the Great Reset, Sam. I, I know I'm going out on a limb here, but, but the Great Reset wants everybody to use the electric cars to reduce their carbon footprint. And, and electric cars require batteries, and batteries require lithium. Well, it turns out that the Great Salt Lake is part of a huge dome of salt, which is, which is a, a great uh, source of lithium. Okay, so they want to use tons and tons of water to help mine the lithium from the Great Salt Lake Basin so that they can build these batteries to, fund, to, 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 to produce these electric cars so that you can drive an electric car and reduce your carbon footprint. It's, it's crazy, Sam, what they're doing, but this is all coming down the pike, and they're putting in place these two bills, water restrictions and metering, so that they can keep you from using the water they want to use to mine lithium from the Great Salt Lake Basin, Sam. It's in it 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 it's it's pretty dangerous, in my opinion. Well, Very here's the deal: the devil's burning. in the details, ladies and gentlemen, like it almost always is. Don't give them control; is the bottom line. Absolutely right. And uh, these bills gives way too much control to the government to uh, to dictate water. See, water—that's the most important thing. 
you got water, food, and, and, and housing, right? Water, you have to have water to live. You, have, you need water to, um, uh, to, to grow your garden. And, and, and I, I'm not talking about it in today, but there's also talk about, um, about you not being able to collect your own rainwater, right? I mean, you don't have a right to the rain that falls from the sky from God above. You can't collect that rainwater. Well, I mean, that's not law right now in Utah, but it is in some other states, and uh, that's coming to Utah. That that will be proposed in the near future, I guarantee it, because they don't want you to collect rainwater and deprive the great state from using that same water in their lithium mines. So I don't know. It's it's pretty bad, Sam. <clears throat> I, I just don't like it. But we need to rush on to the next bill, SB 50, Senate Bill 5-0, Weapon Purchase Amendment. This is a waiting period before you can get your assault weapon, okay? <laughs> it also defines an assault weapon. This is bad, and gun owners should be upset about this. Gun owners and, and gun rights activists should, should, should uh, ask their legislatures, insist that their legislators vote this down. Terrible bill, as Senate Bill 5-0. Next really one, a Senate criminal bill, really a criminal bill, though, because it's blatant violation of the supreme law of the land, which they have sworn to uphold, sir. Absolutely right. Um, Senate Bill 31 is the state flag amendment. This is, uh, would establish a new state flag and, and, and put our current state flag, make it a ceremonial flag only. And uh, they're basically dumbing down our, our use of the state flag. They want to erase portions of our history. This bill is number one on the Senate uh, third reading calendar. So far, it's, it's gotten two to one support in the Senate. It's going to pass the Senate and then go to the House. We need to stop this. This is another way of erasing our history. Um, it, it just, it, you know, but is it really substantive? Does it really matter? It doesn't matter nearly as much as the gender bending bills, but nevertheless, it is something we should say no to. Um, the next two bills uh, uh, relate to voting. Uh, House Bill 91 would change the number of signatures that a candidate would need to gather to put his name on the party's primary ballot. It's just a tweak of SB 54 from 2014, the bill that established the signature path for the primary. It's bad. HB 176, the Municipal Voting Methods Amendment. This bill would make approval voting an option for municipalities under the pilot project of municipal voting methods. And approval voting, Sam, is where you get five candidates and you say yes to three of them and no to two of them. And, and basically it doesn't allow you to prioritize or rank the candidates, but it just says I'd be fine with these three, but not those two. Um, again, it just opens the door to mischief when it comes to elections. Sam? <clears throat> I don't even know what to say about some of these, though, man. This is why I started out the broadcast saying I just whenever the forty-five day sessions in in session, man, it's just like terror. Yeah. <laughs> for the great state of Utah, sir. Yes, and now we just have two minutes to to, to finish this off. Now the three ugly bills. The one is the primary election amendments. Again, it's an election bill that would provide for a runoff election in certain circumstances for a, a regular primary election. And again, this just advances the mischief done by the Senate Bill uh, 54 from 2014, which allowed for plurality winners. This would, I don't know, it, it makes sure that you get a majority winner, but uh, it, it, it's just cobbling together a Band-Aid on the bad 
bill, uh, bad legislation from 2014. Amen HB, to that. HB 20, uh, I, I, 214, HB 214 uh, would remove, I'm sorry, would move a little more power back to party convention delegates. If the if candidate who gets the most votes in the primary also gets 60% of convention delegates, he becomes the party's nominee. But if he doesn't get the 60% of convention, then a runoff is held. And so, again, this is kind of a Band-Aid to the 2014 legislation. It's probably a good thing, but I don't know. It just, I don't know, cements. It makes more palatable that 2014 law, which I think is terrible, uh, because it violates the right of association, private private association. <clears throat> but I guess it's a good thing, but I don't know. It's ugly because it's kind of a good bill, but, but it just perpetuates the ugliness of the 2014 legislation. Okay, finally, HB 215, this is the Fitzall Bill, the Utah Fitzall Scholarship Program. This is an ugly bill because it, it, it raises salaries for teachers, you know, and that could be viewed as a good thing, especially if you're a teacher's union. But the teacher's union has come out against this bill. Why? Because it allows funding to go to a, a student in a private school. And the UA does not want any money to go and help a student that's in a private school. Another reason this is an ugly bill is that once you allow money to, to go to a student in a private school, then there will be strings attached to that, and they will begin to force that private school to teach to their tests. And if they teach to the public school's tests, then private schools lose their autonomy and become nothing more than, than puppet public school branches. And so I think, Sam, this is a bill to, to snooker private school students and homeschool students into accepting money from the government and then later attaching strings to that money to pull them into their evil web. Sam? Look out, ladies and gentlemen. How many do we not get to? Do we get to all of them? All of them, Sam. All uh, eight Wow. Of them. That's because Lowell <laughs> rock and rolls, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you right now, you want a legislative session update in 30 minutes? Got her done. Now there's over 400 bills already put in place. Give them a little time. There'll be a 1,000 on the books before it ends. Pray we can shut most of them down and let the good ones we've highlighted rock and roll through and make Utah the greatest state in the union. Thanks, Lowell. You're welcome, Sam. Good to be with you. Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, doing a phenomenal job, as always, for Sam and Lowell. God save the Republic of the United States of America.